Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more information about us, please visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Hi, everyone. (laughs) What a day. I cannot overstate the greatness of this moment. It is Groundhog's Day. (laughs) We get to live this day over and over again, friends. It's going to be amazing. There are a few other great things going on, though, aren't there? Uh, We are so grateful to God. Amen? I mean, yeah, I'm so grateful. We are grateful for each of you. If you're new here, thank you for coming. If you are part of our church family, man, you do not know how grateful we are for you. We're just so, just so grateful. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing to get to do life with, the, with this group of people. And, you know, I was just thinking about all the different things. I'm even great. I want to say, you know, in front of all of us as we begin this, I'm grateful for uh, all those involved at the Tower Theater. Um, you know, a few, a few, it was almost a couple years ago when this idea came up and, uh, and really they initiated that conversation and to have some neighbors that are willing to be some kind of creative and a little crazy with us, um, to come up with the, really what I believe is a one of a kind kind of relationship and set up for a church, uh, is, is I'm really grateful for that. And so I'm thankful for the, the owners of Pivot. I'm thankful for Steven Tyler, the operator here at the tower, along with the staff, which a couple of them are here, Micah and Nick. And it's, I just want to say thank you to them. <laughs> today is also Super Bowl Sunday. I mean, there's a lot going on today. Um, you know, last, a couple nights ago, I was... Uh, Grayson asked me a question about the Super Bowl, but he didn't, he didn't actually call it the Super Bowl. He actually said, hey, Dad, um, who are we rooting for in the Thunder Bowl? Are, <laughs> are we rooting for the 79ers or the Chiefs? And I was like, man, the one thing you got right in that sentence was the Chiefs, so I guess we're going with the Chiefs. You know what I mean? Although, I, although the 79ers, I, I'm going for them wherever they are in this world. Um, I'm rooting for them too. Uh, so anyway, I, I, I just want to begin, you know, by just saying, again, how grateful we are. And today I want to do a message, though, called Let There Be Light. And it's been a, a message, of course, for us for a few months now. But I, I want to, I just felt like that was the right thing to do as we stepped into this place today. And, and I just know that no matter where you are in life, no matter how good life is or, or, or how challenging life has been for you lately, we can all use a little more light in our life. We can all use a little more of God's light shining upon us. And, and, and there's nothing better than, than the light of God in this world. And uh, I just want to jump right in, and I'm going to read, I'm going to read from 1 John chapter 1, uh, verse, verse 5. It says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. Everyone say, God is light. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. God is light, in him There is no darkness at all. Now, John, in his writings, he actually talks quite a bit about this difference between between light and darkness. And I think we all get the metaphor. We go, oh, yeah, yeah, these are like some sort of like polar opposites. This is sort of like the opposing forces. You got light over here and you got dark over here. And and this is sort of like, you know, know, good versus evil. It's like OU versus, you know, OU. I don't know which one's which for you, but we all know (laughs) which one's light and dark. But this is like Star... This is like Star Wars sort of movies, right? In Star Wars, you have, of course, you know, whether it be Luke versus Vader, you have 
Ray versus Kylo Ren, and it ends in some epic lightsaber battle. You know what I'm talking about? And there's this, there's this reality in the Star Wars movies that there is there's the bad side, which is called the dark side, and then there's the good side that is called the what? Yes, the, I think some of you are about to say the light, but it's called the force, right? And, and in the force, and in this kind of paradigm, what they end up having is this, usually, like I said, some sort of battle between good and evil. And there's this huge problem, though, with Star Wars theology. And um, <laughs> this idea that you portray light and darkness as opposites, uh, as when we put these as opposing forces... It actually puts them on the same on the same level. It puts them uh, at the same category, as if they have sort of powers that can fight against one another. But light and dark are not opposite, because all that darkness is is the absence of light, and that's a huge difference. And it has sweeping implications. And, and I know I'm crushing some Star Wars fans right now, kind of talking about how your theme is completely. Uh, wrong. <laughs> um, but, but this idea, right, that, stay with me for just a minute, light is the, light is the only, way, only one of the two that has any power. You see, darkness, if you want more darkness, all you do is remove more light. And if you want less darkness, all you do is add more light. And so darkness has no power. It's at the mercy of light. It's all about the absence and the presence of light. And so inside of that sort of idea is a really compelling thought, something that we really forget about often and that we should really remember because it's quite simple. That if you're tired of the darkness, turn on a lamp. Find the source of light. And illuminate the darkness. And it'll dispel the darkness. And it'll go away. I want to go back to 1 John chapter 1, uh, verse number 6. He says, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. We lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Now, John is talking about being truthful and authentic. He's saying, if you claim Jesus, if you love God, we well, should have nothing to do with darkness. You should have nothing to do with it. You should only want the light. And so if you continue to walk in darkness, you are living a lie. This is what he's saying. This is essentially the, 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 the mindset that's rather simple to apply that, hey, if I'm, a, if I'm a believer, if I love Jesus, if I love God, well, then I need to rid myself of anything that would have to do with darkness, which would be sin and, and uh, any sort of evil desires that I would try and rid myself of such things. So that's one important thing for us to understand. But also look where he says, he says that when we don't live in the light, we lie and do not live out the truth. Light in the scriptures is another way of saying truth. Light means truth. If we turned all the lights out in this room and I said, okay, everybody go, <laughs> we would stumble around, we would stumble over one another, we would, because it's when we turn the lights on that we reveal how things really are. It's truth. When we're in darkness, we obviously are living outside of the truth. We're stumbling around. And John is saying, don't walk in the darkness. Don't believe the lies. Don't, be don't, be don't, don't buy into the lies. He's saying, he's saying, don't forget that God is the light. If life is tough, if life has been challenging, if you have pain, don't give up. Don't, 
Don't turn away from the light, but instead, if, if, if you forget through your failures, through your setbacks, if you're in a dark place, don't forget that God is the light. You can't create the light, you can't fix the problem, but you can turn on the light by turning to God. This is easier said than done, though, isn't it? I want to show you something that I think all of us can relate to. I'm going to put three people on the screen. And we have, uh, they represent, let us say, you and me and, I don't know, maybe the person next to you, right? But this is, these, these are good-looking people that are, this is, this, is actually, this is actually one line that makes all those people, which is kind of a cool piece of art. But um, I want to use these three people to represent how many of us live in, how many of us live and think. And, and every one of us, we must unfortunately acknowledge that we have a true self and a false self. What I mean by this is that the false self is the view of ourselves that is rooted in lies and misconception and perhaps the cultural pressures that don't represent the things that God says you are. And the true self, of course, is the one that is sometimes a struggle to find, sometimes a struggle to find, and it requires the presence of God in your life shining his light in to reveal the truth about who you are. And that, that, that truth, that true self, it's not always easy to be. I want to read it uh, or just kind of reference Pete Scazzaro's book. He wrote a book called uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. I mean, he, was, he talks about three false identities that Jesus actually encounters whenever he is about to be going to his ministry. You remember right before he went into ministry, he went and prayed and fasted for 40 days. And during that time, uh, it says that the devil, the, the, that Satan came and he tempted him three times. And on that note, I'll just mention, we're finishing up at the church seven days of of prayer many of you prayed and many of you fasted this week and i hope the presence of god was so good for you and we wanted to usher in this whole new era if you will with prayer and fasting because everything begins and ends with prayer and so i hope it was good and i know all those prayers mattered this week amen amen so um you will remember this this probably the story though if you don't know jesus is about to enter in his ministry he goes into the desert the wilderness to pray for 40 days and fast for 40 days and during that time satan comes to him and tempts him and he, was, he, was, he gave him three temptations, and these are what Schizero relates to three false identities. And the temptations were, first of all, he told him to prove that he was the son of God by turning, turning these stones into bread. The second temptation was he said, hey, go to the highest point of the temple where everybody's at, where all the people are. Throw yourself off and let the angels save you. And then the third one was he said, show, I'm going to show you all the kingdoms of this world. And he said, I, you can have them all if you will bow down and worship me. So these three these three temptations amazingly point us to what are, we're going to call these false identities, false selves that many of us carry. Uh, so let's just think about it so you know what I'm talking about. He, told, he was told to prove himself that he was the son of God by turning stones into bread. And the idea was this, prove yourself by what you can do. So maybe person one up there, this false identity is, it's all about what I do. It's, this, this is the first person that, hey, prove yourself from what you do. Th then he was told to show, to show everyone at the temple that if you, if you climbed up to the highest point and jumped off in front of everybody, that the angels would save you. This is another proving of his divinity, but it's in, it's in the context of proving it to everyone else in front of this audience. He says, don't you care what everybody thinks? So this, this second person, we'll just say this false self often comes around. It's all about what they think. What do the people think? And then in this third temptation, when he's taken to, the, to, to see all the kingdoms of this world, he says, you can, if, if you bow down to me, you can have it all. And there's this, there's this sense for some people that maybe my self-worth, my identity is rooted in the things that I have. And so we think it's all about what I have. And these 
three false selves go all the way back to the time of Jesus. But they also reside in us to this very day. So what if today we were a little truthful? We allowed God to shed a little light into our life. That he could reveal some things about us that aren't true, that are the lies. And instead we can step into his glorious light, his wonderful light, his marvelous light. And allow his truth to penetrate our heart and to tell us about who we really are. You know, a couple weeks ago I was, I was praying, I was thinking, I was pontificating, right? I'm sure you do the same at times. And I was thinking about life and I just said, Lord, is there anything in me? that you want to shed light into my life. In fact, I was, like, I, was, I was truly saying, Lord, is there any blind spots? Is there any things that I need to know? And over the course of a few days, he started to reveal a few things to me around the category of different fears that I was walking in, which was kind of surprising because if you were going to ask me, hey, Tim, do you have any unhealthy fears in your life? I'd say, I don't really think so. I mean, I don't think, I ain't scared. <laughs> you know what I mean? I would, I would have not really recognized them. But I started to realize, like, no, I really, I really have a fear of, of disappointing people. I have a fear of loss. I have a fear of rejection and failure. These classic fears, right, that we, we all hear about. And I wish we could do a deep dive on fears because it's so, it's so real for so many of us. But as he started to reveal these things and shed light into them, what was happening was I was actually seeing these things and how it was affecting my decisions and affecting my, my choices and the way that I spoke and the way that I, things that I did. And, and God was saying, listen, these fears, for example, the fear of failure, listen, that, that you may fail, but your failures will not define you. What will define you is the things that I say about you, and I'll use your failures to refine you. Amen. And so I, I started to, to not only re, see the darkness in my life, but I started to see the light that, that God had for me. And that's what I'm talking about today, that perhaps God for you is going to reveal some light into your life to show you some things that you need to see about yourself. Because maybe there's some false selves kind of in this room and God has a true authentic person that he wants to reveal for you today so let's look at this first person right it's all about what I do things like performance and and Jesus was tempted to prove himself by what he could do in other words he said and for us I think it's prove yourself and define our worth and our identity and the things that we can accomplish and this is a false identity that is in our face every day, by the way, in this world, is it not? Our culture asks us all sorts of questions. They ask us, like, they, 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 you know, what have you done? What, what are your accomplishments? Uh, it, it goes on and on, right? Like, and, and you start feeling like you have to qualify yourself. You have to prove yourself constantly that you're worthy of the title you carry or the thing that you're seeking or the thing that you want. And so it all, it all culminates in a question that you hear probably almost every day. And the question is, uh, so uh, uh, what do you do? <laughs> and that what do you do question is, is, is very interesting. And I've talked about this before, but we answer the question of what do we do with what we do to make money and, we, and, and what our career is as if that's the only thing we do. I think we do a few more things than that. Would you agree? But we get it. Like people just want to know what our career is. There's nothing wrong with having a career. There's nothing wrong with having a passion about a career. That, that, that's not what this is about. But I, I think this person here begins to stray from the light by thinking about things like, have I done enough? Have I accomplished enough? I feel like a failure because look at everybody around me. They're doing so much more than me. They start thinking about the comparisons of their careers. 
And we start to feel like we haven't really measured up. And if this is you, you're constantly wondering not only if you're qualified enough and if you've done enough, but you're wondering, like, will I ever do enough? Will I ever be good enough? And the truth about this person is everyone around you typically sees you as this amazing, wonderful person that brings so much to the table. And everyone sees you in one way and you see yourself in another way. And they think, man, we couldn't imagine life without them. Look at all the things they actually do and the person that they are. And for this person, um, inside of us, it tells us lies that we must prove ourselves. We must do more than the rest. And that we aren't good enough. And it keeps us trapped in this darkness, unable to see the true self that God wants to peek through and shine through. And I actually have a lot of compassion for person number one because I see myself a lot in person number one, a lot of my friends in person number one, where we, we spend most of our energy trying to do more things than we are actually trying to become someone. And so what happens is we chase and try and accomplish, and these people, they struggle to ever really figure out they, they run themselves ragged. They never figure out how to slow down. The other day I was outside with my son Grayson and he was riding his bike. And, uh, and as he was riding his bike, he was looking down at the pedals. Like he had his head down. He was looking down at the pedals and he was pedaling really hard. And then he would, and, and he was looking at the street below him, you know, and, and right below him. And I kept saying, hey, Grayson, look up, look up, look at where you're going. Look at where you're going. And, and he would look up for like two seconds and he would look right back down, you know, right at those pedals. And and, and I think too many of us are just looking down, looking down at the things right in front of us, just focusing on pedaling really hard, working really hard, looking at what's right in front of us. And God's like, would you look up? I have a bigger perspective and a bigger picture for you. Not everything is about the thing you're doing in the moment. And I think for some of us, we, there's, a, there's a little bit of light that God wants to shine into you. And it's one that says that you are enough. So what if we, what if we change this, this sense of it's all about what, our do? what, if, what we do and we took that away? What if we changed it and the light revealed that, that you're enough? And what if you were sitting here today and you go, Man, well, maybe, maybe this is what I needed to hear, that you don't have to perform. You know, when Jesus was tempted by, by Satan and he was said, hey, prove yourself. I wonder if Jesus thought about the very words that the father had said to him just before he went into the wilderness. You probably don't know this part of the story. You, you will recall it if you're familiar with the scriptures, but Jesus was baptized. He comes out of the waters, and right after his baptism, he goes into the desert. But when he comes out of the waters, this heavenly father looks down on him and says, this is my son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. And that's what the father said to him. And you wonder if in that moment when he was told to prove himself by what he did, if he remembered the words of his father. And you got to remember the timing of this. God didn't say this to them at the end of his life before he was crucified. He said it before anything started. Jesus hadn't did anything yet. He hadn't done a thing. He hadn't, he hadn't performed a miracle that we know of. He hadn't taught anybody. He hadn't done anything. And this is what the father said of them. This is my son whom I love and I'm well pleased. And I think for some of us, we think it's all, God's going to be pleased with me after I do. And you need to know today that you're enough. He's pleased with you as you are. Yeah, Amen. The second person, it's all about what others think. Most of us place a really high premium, right, on what other people, what other people think of us. We, we, a higher premium than we realize. And the second person, uh, their identity is being overly influenced by what others think of them. And 
he or she is often thinking about things such as, you know, what are they doing? What about him? What about her? There's a lot of comparison for this person. Do they like me? Do they respect me? What will they do? What will they think of me if I do that thing? So our decision making is through the lens of what other people will think of our decision. Anybody with me? The list goes on and on when it comes to this false self, and it's rooted in getting the approval and the affirmation of others, and this is a tiresome way to live, filled with a bunch of second-guessing conversations, trying to assume what others think of us, seeking affirmation in various mediums like social media or other places, comparing ourselves by what we wear, what we, where we live, how many friends we have. And this is one of today's biggest false identities. When I was a kid... <laughs> When I was a kid, I remember getting into a fight with a kid, which was a real deal fight, which is lame, I know. But it was before Jesus, I'm now a man of peace. <laughs> I was 11 years old, and I got in this fight with this kid, and I, don't, I didn't want to fight. I didn't like fighting. I didn't even know how to fight. I've never thrown a punch in my life. Uh, I did win the fight, but that's besides the point. <clears throat> But I got in this fight because I was not worried about really the situation with this kid. What I was worried about was we'd gotten an argument, and I was worried about what everybody else thought. Did they think I was going to be weak? Did they think I was going to put up with this? Did they think I, did I think it would be cool if I was tough? And I, was, I remember that moment as one of those moments in my life where I was like, that was so weird that I did that, that I put on this false identity based upon what other people think. And I did something I didn't even want to do. And I think about how many of us do that really all the time. That we do things that we really don't represent who we are. We do them because of what others, or what we at least assume others would think of that decision. This could be related to the career choices we make, the schools we go to, based upon what our parents have said we should do. This could be making a, our life fit into a mold that everybody else will think is the right mold you sh should fit in. And again, I have so much compassion for person number two because I think all of us have been in this place. We, get, we find ourselves drifting into this dark corner, don't we? And we find ourselves forgetting that it's not about what other people think of us, that it's, it should be about what God thinks of us. Jesus, just so you know, he wasn't afraid to disappoint people. His family, there's a story where his family is completely disappointed in him. They think he's crazy. He wasn't afraid of that. He wasn't afraid of disappointing all the religious institution. And these were his friends. These are the people he grew up with, the, the rabbis and the pastors of that day and the religious leaders. And they were severely disappointed. That had to be difficult. Even his friends, right? How many times did he disappoint them? One of them even to the point of betrayal. But he knew who he was. And his self-worth wasn't found in making others happy or people liking him. That's a false self. But coming into the light of God for you is... Believing what God says about you. Things like, I'm a child of God. I'm a, I'm a friend of Jesus. I'm, a, I, I'm God's workmanship created for a special purpose. I, I've been chosen by God. These are the kind of things that God says about this. So maybe instead of our false self of it's about what others think, we should come in to our true self and the reality that God thinks highly of me. That God thinks highly of me. He really does. He thinks highly of you. He cherishes you. Through Jesus, we can actually be co-heirs with Christ. I mean, that's how much he thinks of you. That he's like, I'm going to put you right on the same level with Jesus. Come on. That's what God thinks of you. And this third temptation, 
directed at Jesus, Satan shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, I can give all of this to you if you just bow down. So this, first, this, this third identity, of course, is all about what I have. And no one likes to think, and none of you would like to think that we are, it can almost seem shallow at times uh, to think that it's about possessions and money and things. And we think, oh, that's not really me. But, uh, but a lot of people are seeking happiness from this space. Too many of us live in this place with a lot of confusion. Uh, our culture measures success, don't they, by how much you have. That's what our, that's what our world measures success by. What do you have? And, and I think for a lot of us marketers, I think we would even say marketers spend billions and billions of dollars convincing our children that they need more toys and more things and more games. And as a parent and as a consumer, I got to say that that message is working, right? It's working that we believe we got to have more. So this third person who's looking to experience uh, and accumulate more in life, they often are thinking about, do I have enough? I have to make X amount of dollars to actually, you know, get to that place I want to get to. I have to go there. I have to do that. I have to experience that. Our culture is, ex- is, is, is encountering what I would call experience envy. You know what I'm talking about? We see things that other people are doing. And we, we go, oh, I got to do that. I can't miss out on that. Oh, I should do that. They're doing that. Well, I should do that. And so we have this experience envy where we think I have to have more experiences. Sometimes having is not just about money and and stuff. It's about experiences. Are you with me? And so I think a lot of us are in this boat. And again, so much compassion for those of us because we live in a world that this can dominate our thinking, our money, our time. It control how we do that. And it can actually derail our intended destiny. This can pull us away from who we really are because when we get into this trap, it becomes like quicksand. You know what I'm saying? The more you move in quicksand, the deeper you get. And before you know it, this is a a tough, tough rhythm to change because debt and unrealistic expectations of wealth and entitlement come up into us and we we don't know how to get out of it. It creeps in to our way of thinking and the way we live. And our search for meaning becomes a, a search for the next thing. And happiness becomes a dollar sign. And listen, this is a false self that says it's all about what you have. And it needs to change. It needs to go away. And the light flooding into you says that it's not actually about what you have. It's about who has you. Can I just remind everybody in the room that already knows this truth? God has you. Those who follow Jesus and call him Lord, you are God's possession. You are his child. Listen to sec- or excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Listen to this. God's special possession. That's you. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his, <laughs> I love it, wonderful light. It's not really hard to find a lot of verses about the light of God, by the way. <laughs> Listen to what uh, Pete Scazzaro writes about Jesus in response to all these false identities. I have it on the screen. It says this, it seemed that almost everyone had expectations or a false self to impose on Jesus's life. In living faithfully to his truth self, he disappointed a lot of people. Jesus was secure in his father's love in himself and thus was able to withstand enormous pressure. He, let his family of or- he left his family of origin and their expectations of a carpenter's son. Can you imagine? I mean, there's expectations there. And became an interdirected, separate adult. I just thought that was fascinating. Is God today shining some light into your life? 
I'm actually about done. But I feel like this is one of those little moments where it's just a lot coming at you. It's a lot of thoughts, prayers. But we must detect the false identities that the world, that our family of origin, or even our own selves try and build. For example, you can't, that you can stop actually trying to prove yourself. That you are enough to be you, to trust who God's created you to be. That it's not about what they think of you. You know, the light of God comes in and he says, yeah, care for them, love them. Do not ignore them. The they's in your life are important. But you need to find your confidence. You need to find your identity in what I say about you. That I think highly of you. Some of us need to know that we, we, we don't need to keep striving for more things and more stuff. To keep up or to look successful. Because it's not about what you have, it's about who has you. And God has you. I believe God's light, when it shines into the darkness of our lives, remember, darkness has no power. It is only in the absence of the presence of light. That's where all the power is. And if we can allow God's light to shine in, to dis dissipate the darkness. Ephesians 5.8 says this, for at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Ephesians 5, 13 through 14 says this, whatever the light exposes, it will also correct. What do you mean? It means it's gonna bring it into truth, right? And everything that reveals truth is light to the soul. This is why the scripture says, arise you sleeper, rise up from the dead, and the anointed one will shine his light into you. Arise, you sleeper. Another version says, wake up, O sleeper. And I think that some of us, there's a little bit of a wake-up call. Because for some of us, life is not just one of those three people. It's all three of those people for us. God has something better than defining who you are, defining your happiness and in your personhood by just the things of what you do, what others think. And what we have. God has something better than that. You know, John chapter 1, verse 4, I told you John talked a lot about light. He says this, in him, and when he says in him, he's talking about in Jesus, right? In Jesus was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. I'm going to read that again. In Jesus was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Meaning... The light is dispelling the darkness. That's what it does. There's a simple thought. If you get tired of the darkness, simply light a lamp. Find the source of light. And what is the source of light? We read at the very beginning, God is light. Everyone say, God is light. It's revealing truth and freeing us to live into who we can be, should be, and are created to become. So I want to close by giving us just a chance to try and respond to this so if, you just, if you're comfortable with it just bow your heads close your eyes 
And I just want to take a moment and pray for us today. We thank you for your light, God. We thank you for calling us enough. We thank you for thinking highly of us. We thank you for having us. We thank you for constantly shining into the darkness. I just want to ask a question. Everybody's heads bowed. I, I mean, I can't even really see you. It's dark in this room, so it's just this is just between you and the Lord. Um, if today one of those three people, if you related to it and you felt like, yeah, that is something I carry, that is something I need God to shine into my life right now. If, that, if that's you, just lift your hand as a way of acknowledging the Lord that I, I've, I've felt that today. I, I feel that in my own life. Just go ahead, lift your hand. Lift your hand, come on. Be brave if that's you. Be brave. No one even can see you. Just be brave. Too many people don't respond at times in life, and we need to respond when the truth comes to us. And so, Lord, we just pray right now for anyone in this room that's being brave right now to say, Lord, I need light in my life. I just pray, Lord, you would shine right now in a way that reveals truth, dispels darkness, breaks chains, releases breakthrough. We pray all those things. And Lord, right now, even in this moment, we pray your Holy Spirit to come. Come in such a way that you would move in our lives. Show us what you want to show us. Reveal the things you want to show us. We just pray this, Lord. We ask it. Put your hands down if it's still up. I just want to ask one more question today. I just want to take a moment, and I just want to, you know, if, if you're in a place where you're like, I just really want more of God in my life. I, I, I've been struggling with my own understanding of faith and, and meaning and, and, and what it means to be a Christian. I'll, I'll just say this. I say this every once in a while, but being a Christian is not something you're born into. Being a Christian is not something that... You just become a Christian because you believe that Jesus existed or believe that God exists or believe that it's all real. Believing is a, the first step, but really becoming a, a follower of Jesus or becoming a Christian is about a choice that you make to say, uh, Lord, I want to surrender my life to you. I want to surrender my life to you and trust you with everything that I have. And so if that's you today and, and you're in a place where you're going, I've kind of struggled with my faith, but I'm hearing a little bit of something today that's just compelling my heart to surrender to God right now. I just believe the Holy Spirit moves in people's hearts. We feel it inside of us where he's calling us. He's calling us to himself. He's drawing us to him. And if that's where you're at today, I've been there. And man, what a feeling that is to, to feel the spirit of God moving in your heart. If that's where you're at today, I want to invite you to just say a prayer. And the prayer is just a simple prayer. It's a prayer that we say, God, I'm going to surrender my life to you. And I, and I want to I want to now choose to follow you for the rest of my life. That's all the prayer is. It's called a salvation prayer where we say, God, I can't do life without you. You're going to save me from myself, save me from this world. If you'd like to pray that prayer, you can just do it by like saying a few different things. Just repeat what I say. You can just whisper it in your seat right now to say, Jesus, I give you my life. Just whisper that prayer. Jesus, I give you my life. You might even say as we're talking, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. And then the next part of that prayer is just real simple. We just say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Just say that right now, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my sin. I need your forgiveness in my life. And then the last part is, Lord, I'm going to live for you the rest of my life. So we're just going to say it this way. I commit the rest of my life to you. 
I commit the rest of my life to you. Just say that prayer. I commit the rest of my life to you. If you just prayed that prayer, and it's the very first time, I'm going to ask you to do something brave now. No one's looking around. But if you just want to lift your hand and say, I, I just prayed that prayer for the first time in my life, just lift your hand up in the room right now. I see it. It's good. Anywhere around the room, front, back, middle. I see a few hands. That's so cool. Praise God. Well, Father, I pray for those that have just prayed that prayer. Lord, would you seal this moment in their heart? May, may they never look back and just know that, Father, you are the way forward for them. And so, Lord, I pray for each and every one of us that, God, even as we respond a little bit here with worship and prayer, that, God, that light that you want to shine into our life to dispel the false identity and to, take, and to allow us to see the true self, the one that says, I am enough, that, God, you think highly of me, and, God, you have me, that that truth today would sink into our hearts in such a compelling way, Father, that it would actually allow us to walk in your light. We pray these things in your name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.